Welcome back to episode number 41 of the Boxing One Podcast. You know what this is, man. The Dirk Nowitzki episode, right? Right. Big Dirk. He is, he's got to be the blackest white international player we know, right? Like, period. We saw his wedding in Africa. Like, this dude is like, he's one of us, kind of, sort of. So he's got to be our guy for this episode. So shout out to Dirk, the killer. I can't Remember wait when they- he got that ring up off LeBron? Got it up off him. That, that was, was like that's vintage. right when the big three first came together and Dirk got that ring right up off him. That's when I was like, man, Dirk, you all right with me, bro. You all right with and, me. And that's when I really thought, hey, LeBron's about to never win a ring. <laughs> I really so this was is thinking the, that at that point. So this is definitely the Dirk episode. And look, we got something special for our listeners for this episode. We're going to be doing a giveaway and Chris Lassler is going to give you all the details at the end of this episode. So make sure you tune in to the end of the episode to hear about this giveaway that we're doing. Okay. But I'm just going to let you know, you better listen to the whole episode. We got some great topics anyway, and we're going to dive right into those topics, right? We're both football guys, but we're college football guys. The NFL is dead to me, Chris. Yeah. So everybody's got to peep the Jay Rich blog that he put up this week on the three reasons the NFL is dead to me. And I think at some point we'll, we'll reach back around probably and have to engage with that and like talk that whole thing through. That could be a topic in itself. It could be, but since it's dead to me, okay, check out the blog um, to know why, but we're going to talk about college football because both of us are Saturday guys. We talked about this before, right? We're, we're more Saturday guys than Sunday guys, right? Go dogs. But on this episode, we're arch enemies because you got a topic that, I can't believe you thought you were going to bring up and have me not say nothing about, okay? I'm just saying we got to talk about it, man. People talking about it. All right. So the topic is ACC football versus SEC football. Now, Chris is trying to say that the ACC has actually caught up and surpassed the SEC in college football dominance. You know my opinion, okay? I'm going to have to hear your case before I go ahead and trounce that with a rebuttal. So, first of all, I want to say, hey, your boys look like they got a lot of promise this year. So, I'm I'm down with them dogs. So, you can rest easy there. Um, They look like the clear favorite to come out the SEC East. Bama's still the best college football program and a clear favorite to come out the SEC West. Um, They're both formidable. I love both teams. But then after that, you just see this huge decline that we haven't seen from the SEC in recent years when you would say like, hey, you're looking at five, six, seven teams on an annual um, annually that look like they have a chance to compete, be one of those final four teams. And this year, once you get past Georgia, like there just seems to be a drop off where you say like, hey, who could the third team that could possibly end up in that final four be from the SEC? And I'm just I'm saying maybe you can point me to something that I'm missing, but it seems like a lot of fan bases, even the SEC, are disappointed with their teams right now. Tennessee lost the game. They always find these miraculous ways to win games they shouldn't, but they didn't this time. That was an amazing end to that game, by the way. But um, so in that meantime, the ACC has gained ground, and um, they've always put good quarterbacks into the NFL. Um, which something the SEC has struggled to do as of late, minus Dak. But uh, you you explain to me how we haven't caught up some. Oh boy! <laughs> 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 Can on this one, bro. All right, so 
So first of all, I, I like how you narrowing your conversation in on quarterbacks, right? Because uh, I'm pretty sure you know that the SEC probably fills out the NFL at every other position. Now, I can go through and name all the SEC quarterbacks who are playing well, minus Eli. He's got to go. But I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm going to give you your quarterback argument, quote, unquote. What we're not going to do is talk about a one-year wonder in the Clemson Tigers and not talk about the dominance of the SEC for the past 12, 14 years in the BCS. Do I need to read off? the champions for the past 12 years or so, because you know it includes Florida, LSU, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. <laughs> so, so what, what, I'm saying you, what I'm saying to you is, this is a what have you done for me lately attitude that you're bringing to the table, okay? The SEC has dominated the field for so long. Clemson gets one win last year by four points, and now all of a sudden the ACC has quote-unquote caught up who, who are the other teams talk to me about the acc teams okay tell me about the other team well louisville has the heisman they got they got shellac by clemson but clemson's really good they got an amazing defense they weren't just one player and if we're honest that first championship game was a lot closer than anyone expected it to be and clemson won the rematch so i mean it's a conceivable that they could see each other a third year like that's not out of it right Virginia, we got to come down to Virginia. Look at my boys, uh, the Hokies. You got to give them some love, right? So I'm saying Florida State, like they already lost to Alabama. So you're saying they didn't give just Alabama lose. the nod there. But no, Alabama's never been the question. We're questioning the depth. So I'm saying if the third best team in the ACC is Virginia Tech at this moment in the polls, who's the third best team in the SEC? You put those two teams on the field, and you're telling me the rest of the way those games aren't chalk or even – or do you think the SEC would be favored in all of them? Because who would you say is the third best team in the SEC right now? I mean, right now we're going to play them Saturday, but you got to go with Mississippi State since they beat LSU. Uh, but I mean, don't look, don't overlook. Here, here's the thing: like you haven't, you got to look at teams like like Kentucky, who's actually a pretty good ball club now. Jay Rich. Um, they have, bruh. I'm saying, if you're going to bring the Hokies into this conversation, it's not basketball, not defensive-minded basketball. I'm going to bring Kentucky into the conversation. The new Kentucky Rich, They played team. for a national championship. You just bought Kentucky into your SEC football argument, which kind of makes my point. What? What do you mean? Like, I, I, I can go with the normal teams. I can go with the Auburns and the LSUs and, and all the teams in the West. Clemson already beat Auburn this year. Understood. But you're talking about the best team in the ACC – but you're talking about you're saying chalk going forward. Who beats Auburn besides Clemson or Florida State? Virginia Tech could be Auburn. Adios. <laughs> I'm serious. They're ranked higher in the polls than Auburn right now. Why is that? The polls mean nothing in week three, man. Nothing. Look, here's what here's what I'm gonna tell you, okay? And this is a quote from The Wire. I know some Christians don't watch The Wire, but look, the king stay the king. No matter where, no matter where he moves on the chessboard, guess what? The king always stay the king. It don't matter. So, so all you little pawns in the ACC moving around trying to get a new position in college football, guess what? You still got to roll through the SEC. At the end of the year, there's going to be an SEC team in the BCS championship. 
Period. Listen, yo. So are, is, it, is the SEC down this year? Yes. Is the ACC better than the SEC, even in a down year? That'll be a no. What I mean, you know they played a lot of bowl games last year, and the ACC did really well. It wasn't just that one game. What does gaining ground mean? Are you saying that they're better than the SEC? That's all I need to know. I don't think there's a huge separation this year. I don't. I, I can't. If you put me to a polygraph right now, and you said like, historically, are they even close? I would say absolutely not. But if you said this year, if they had the same the, the football equivalent to the ACC, SEC challenge, like, am I convinced that the SEC would win that overwhelmingly? I'd have to say no if I'm being honest. And I think like if you're being honest too, you don't know how good Auburn is. You don't know if LSU is going to win you a game in that ACC, SEC challenge because right now their program just doesn't seem to have a lot of direction on what they want to do offensively. Here's what we're going to do about this, okay? In about six weeks, we're going to revisit this at least briefly on here, okay? So that you and I can have a real conversation when you see that five of the top 15 teams are going to be SEC teams. Right, but can we also say if we visit this in six months, that uh, you guys when will... we holding the trophy when the SEC team is holding the trophy up again, yes, we can listen. If you if you get to the top twenty five by beating all other SEC teams, at that point it's all conference play, and Georgia moves up by beating Missouri, like that's a circular argument. Like you see what I'm saying? So we're gonna have to have some other criteria than like in conference wins. For both no, because right? because if you playing if you're playing an, an SEC ACC matchup in the BCS championship, there ain't no other criteria. You're putting your best against our best. But you said w. if we revisit this in six weeks, and I'll say both teams will just be in conference play. They'll just be beating up each other and moving up the polls because of wins in the conference. But that won't prove the superiority of one conference over the other. Because y'all aren't gonna move up. You're gonna beat each other. The mediocre teams are going to beat mediocre teams, and then you won't have strong teams. What I'm saying is we're going to be – we might have some top heaviness going on. Who is it going to be? I'm saying name the third best team. I already told you who the third best team is. But you also brought Kentucky into that conversation. (laughs) Look, man, let me tell you something, okay? Ultimately, I know you're a homer, right? You know I'm a homer. Of course. And so you're saying the gap is closing. Okay, maybe I'll give you that, but there will be never a day on this green earth before before the end of the world this weekend, which a lot of Christians are predicting. <laughs> <laughs> it, will, it will never happen before the end of this world that the ACC football will be better than the SEC football, period. Hey, Jay Rich, just by way of reminder, can you tell the podcast audience where you're from? I'm from Brunswick, Georgia. And you're a fan of? The Georgia Bulldogs. I am from the Deep South. I'm a SEC homer. Yes. So you're not yeah, going to change. I just to get that on record as well. Not going to change my mind. But you are from Virginia, and you're the one who, who bought up UVA. <laughs> the Hokies. I didn't say UVA, but I love UVA now because my cousin's son played there. I thought you said UVA. Virginia no, Tech. the Hokies. They're Virginia okay. Tech. They're okay. They're okay. All right, man, we're not going to get team in the ACC. They would beat the third best team in the SEC. We're we're not going to agree on this. And I know most of our listeners are SEC fans, so they're going to support me. So we probably should just go ahead and move on to this next topic. Right. What you got for me next? All right. Next up, bro. All right. So uh, 
we got to talk about this because it's been huge. We like to talk about culture, right? We love uh, analyzing cultural stuff and bringing some gospel centricity to it. So uh, over the past week or so, we have heard through the culture that your boy, uh, Kevin Hart, was on Instagram apologizing for infidelity. Now, let's just say this. Infidelity uh, in the celebrity culture space is, is probably not that big a deal, but this is his second time, and it's with the woman who he cheated on his first wife with. So team seems to be a bit of a, I don't know, um, cycle going on there. So a lot of Christians are like, kind of like, oh man, Kevin Hart's our guy. Like we really wish it would have worked out. So they really expect celebrities to be faithful to their spouses, um, even in that culture and celebrity culture. So then the question becomes for us, you know, you and me, we're, we're Christian husbands. Uh, I've been married for eight years. You've been married for ever. How long? 16. <laughs> double the time i've been married so even for us dude like this this can this causes some introspection right because faithfulness is a a work of god in us like it's not something that's natural we all have a sinful sinful nature so um not looking down upon kevin hart and anyone else but i think it might be good for our listeners to help us to process this because uh even right now chris like you're doing something right now to kind of help you uh in your faithfulness to your spouse um you want to tell the folks about that yeah so um my wife and all my kids just complete beach bums um i'm in a position where i had to stay home and work but they had an opportunity to go to the beach for about five days six days and so immediately the night before my family leaves i just reach out to the two pastors who are on pastoral staff at our church. And I say, hey, I'm pretty much single for the week as term, in terms of, um, not in terms of covenant, obviously, but just in terms of practicality, like there's no kids, there's no wife here this week. So like, I'm gonna approach accountability different. When I'm home, it's just this pattern. I get off work, I go do things with my wife, I go do things with my kids. Now there's more free time and there's, um, I just want to make sure I'm stewarding that well. So one thing I want to do is be more intentional when I have free time in investing in the church, in the body. Like, hey, who can I spend time with and build that up? But also I want to like take a different approach and a more aggressive approach, kind of like I would if I was single towards um, just setting up healthy boundaries to make sure nothing interferes um, with that covenant faithfulness in our marriage. So just reach out to guys in my church and say, hey, make sure you're asking me like what I'm looking at on the internet or um, while my wife's out of town or any other boundaries that might be harmful. Like, make sure you're asking me tough questions. Help me to walk in Christ's likeness in that position. So, yeah, I, I was just talking about this with one of my friends who um, who asked me the question. He was like, hey, when you know, when you're when your wife and kids go out of town or when you go out of town, like what does that do for your rhythm? I'm like, it completely throws us off, man. Because, you know, when you are married and you have kids, there's this certain rhythm that you guys have, right? So there's this extra biblical proverb um, that says idle hands or mind is the, de the devil's playground, right? So even in my life, like when I see, you know, when 
wife and the kids are going out of town. Like that jacks up my rhythm because we're just so connected in those ways. Like we have these routines that we go through. I, you know, I too, you know, I have to make sure I'm connecting with brothers, good brothers in the Lord um, who kind of check in on me. Hey, what's going on, bro? How you doing? Uh, Because I was a bachelor before. (laughs) And I understand those um, vices that can come up. And so having that in place, and it's good to have that as a community, like you, you're pulling on folks from your church community, right? So it's good to have a community of faith who can come around you uh, during those times. And I would venture to say, you know, when you have someone in culture, celebrity culture, who's traveling all the time, like Kevin Hart and others, they don't necessarily have that. And us having that in place is a good guardrail for us so that we're not veering off the road and over the cliff. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So, so I think that that's that's one good thing that that both of us you know try to do, so we can make sure that those rails stay up um, while we're driving that car solo without car seats and without spouse in the car, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I I think the other thing is like the gospel helps us to know like Christ's story, but it helps us also to know our story, and like we're real with ourselves and we know like, hey, like our hearts are idol factories and they run after things, and so. Like these things, because we know that, like they don't catch us blindly. We know like, hey, like my heart would love to pursue whatever the heart wants to pursue. And so we put boundaries in place. But ultimately, I think uh, we rely on the spirit of God to say, like, help us to believe the gospels is is true, that um, we are most satisfied when we're rightly connected to you. And there's nothing that um, a website or another woman could do to satisfy us. Like our satisfaction is ultimately in Christ. So Lord, help us, please don't believe this big lie, the same lie that um, like humans have always believed that God doesn't love us, that God isn't for us, that he doesn't have our good in mind and any boundary that he sets isn't for our good. And help me to believe that lie is a lie and help me to believe the truth is true and that you are good, you are for me and that you are all satisfying and that you are the thing that gives me pleasure. I don't need another woman in my life. I need to be faithful to the one I have. So and it takes humility to say that, you know, um, we're prideful people, uh, especially as men, men, men are prideful. I can handle this. I'm good, but it takes a tad bit of humility to say, um, I think I need a little help on this one or at yeah. least call in the reinforcements. Right. So, so Jay Rich, uh, speaking of humility, homie, the other day I was on my couch, minding my own business, had a moment or two to spare, and was just scrolling through social media when I came across this quote. And you tell me if you know the author of this quote, and I might butcher it a little bit, but if I paraphrase it, you'll still understand it. When I think about feeding someone these hands, I remember the nails in Christ's hands. And it was my favorite quote ever because I was like, yo, this is the most ghetto and profoundly theological person ever had to create this. And it was amazing. And I was on my back laughing for at least a good five minutes when it came across my timeline. Uh, Who would be the author of that quote? What kind of thug theologian wrote that? I don't the know. Thug man. theologian. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been me, man. That would have been me. 
you know, I try to try to come up with little pithy things every now and then. And uh, that was one that came to mind. I was like, wow, man. And it's true, dude. Like anywhere you go and when somebody gets on your nerves and you want to you want to throw them hands or make them catch them hands. It's like, goodness. My I think that's just y'all over aggressive SEC folks down in the south. <laughs> oh, we own that. We, we own that. Now? We never have violence. Here. Oh. Oh, for real? Oh, for real? Okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to leave that one alone. But here's the thing about that, though. I mean, that, that quote was cool, right? It was like the Thug Theologian quote, but um, it says a lot about the requirements of Christian witness. And one of those main things as a sanctifying work is to be able to walk in humility um, at all times wherever you are in whatever circumstance you are and that's hard bro hard i mean you think about some of these guys who uh, do have platforms right um and have christian platforms and as you said our hearts are idol factories right so so we make those people have those platforms like the christian context makes them so so they have a challenge because they're held up in higher regard, but then they have this call to humility. Some of them do it well, and some of them do it not so well. And we're not exempt either ourselves, right? Because we're called to walk in humility. But, you know, you and I, we love reading. Like, we have some theological stuff, foundation, grounding that other people don't have. So even in teaching others, even in engaging others, like, we have to be able to walk in humility towards them and not have this puffy attitude of knowledge, this pharisaic attitude towards other people, man. So it's a fine line, and it's, it's hard to strike that balance sometimes. <laughs> and Jay Rich, we talked a little bit about marriage, but if you want to do something to kill a marriage, especially the romantic side of a marriage, <laughs> uh -oh. uh, don't love your wife well, but continually always correct her theology. That, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you might be in trouble for that one, bro. For yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. So I I mean, even in social media interactions, I've noticed like in times where like Christ has given me grace to walk in humility on some tense like conversations. Like I've I've just seen it bear fruit where moving it out of the comment sections into the messenger. And just like walking with people and then people being willing to be humble and follow your lead if you will walk in humility first and really see like fruit bearing conversations and conversations that could have just ended up being very combative and just saying like humility is the way. But Jay Rich, you're so right. Like so many times, like um, we do work in gospel growth that is good work, but mostly like appeals to our intellect, intellect. But like at the end of the day, these things that the work we do in our heart, being able to, as America tends to be more and more divisive and want to put you in this camp and that camp, uh, to walk in humility is beautiful to everyone who sees it, you know? So. Yeah, it really is, man. And it gives you opportunities to minister to others, to be able to speak to others in ways that other folks do not have who have not been able to do that. Right. And I, I mean, obviously, like we see, like as Jesus begins, um, as the gospel of John starts to turn that corner and they're getting ready for that final feast. And he like takes off that towel and he starts to wash 
his disciples' feet. And I think that's the picture Paul has in his mind, right? When he writes Philippians 2, I think that's maybe part of a, what is that, part of a creed or part of a song in the early church where he goes through and says, hey, have this mind of you that's also in Christ Jesus. And um, all the beautiful verses that come right after that, um, thinking it not being equal with God. It's just such a beautiful passage, but. Favorite, um, favorite chapter in my favorite book of the Bible. And word? One, yes. Philippians 2, absolutely. Um, okay, okay. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Because it it's it's the reminder for me every day. Like, I have three degrees, bro. And having that and being in the space that I'm in now, like, I need that every single day. Like, I need the Philippians 2 mentality every single day um, because Paul himself, even in that book, is like, man, look, all this stuff is boo-boo. Like Cubano, <laughs> he went Greek on him. Boo yeah, boo compared compared to knowing Christ, and I'm like, bro, that's that's what I want my life to be characterized by. So like that is, you know, people have life verses. That's like my life chapter. Like that's what yeah. I try to live out every single day. And if anybody reads the New Testament and doesn't see humility throughout it, <laughs> you probably need to keep reading. Yeah. So uh Jay Rich, but I might have to I might have to throw this out there and I'm gonna let you take this however you want to take it, right? Uh Philippians two might be like the SEC of Bible verses. This Romans guy. eight Romans eight might be the uh ACC of Bible verses. So like <laughs> you let that mean what you want it to mean. Uh but we'll wow. we'll just we'll, we'll just we'll keep it going there. Do you have a thought? So say Jay Rich, we'll close like this, but um somebody comes to you and say like, Hey, like I'm struggling. Like, I feel like all my growth right now is intellectual, but it's puffing me up. You know, Paul talking about knowledge puffs up. Like what are good guards against walking in pride? Like, and to help, like what are practical steps we could take to like monitor and see like, Hey, am I walking in humility? Read devotionally. Don't read intellectually. I made that mistake early on in my seminary career. Like I had to have six commentaries, two dictionaries, a concordance, and three other things around me while I read scripture in order for me to feel like I was reading scripture. And that was sort of that intellectual um, activity that I did to get me there. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I think you lose a devotional component to it and you lose kind of this relational component to where it's like i'm just trying to hear from god internally right now and if you don't do that um i fear that you could continue to read intellectually and become puffed up read for knowledge rather than reading for spiritual insight and in internal growth and development um that's terrible that's a terrible approach, and I try to make sure I strike that balance. Some surefire things that I can know, like that there's probably not a lot of humility to my own life, is um, just waking up and starting to do, do, do instead of be, be, be. So um, in other words, like, hey, I don't have time to spend with Jesus today. Look how much stuff I have to do. That's already like starting my day in a, in mm. a sort of prideful way. And um how much time you spend with Jesus can become a pride issue too, right? But um, 
it, it's just that morning acknowledgement of like, hey, like, thank you that I have breath today. Like, you are my sustainer. Like, thank you for all you've done for me. Like, let me start my day at your feet. Um, if you're a younger believer, that may be a very small amount of time, you know. Um, if you're a maturing believer, that you might have that more implemented into a schedule. But whether we're younger or mature, that attitude that, hey, like, because of the amount of things I have to do today, like this part of my life is getting put on hold and I got this, you know? So I think that's just one key that if I see that, especially more than a couple of days in a row, that's probably a good indicator that I'm not walking in a lot of humility in the people around me. If I'm seeing myself as all sustaining in myself. So that's good, man. All right, real fast. What are you reading right now, man? What, what type of resource would you commend to our readers? Good. So uh, we had talked about this some too, and I, I love the idea that we throw out books. But one of the things we want to do with the podcast is make sure some of these things are accessible to people immediately. So still working through um, John Stott's book. I saw you had a John Stott quote on some social media the other day, but um, just dealing with uh, the radical disciple and just kind of what you're saying is like, hey, I don't want everything I read, every Bible, extra biblical reading I do to be um, something that's just intellectual. It's a very simple book, but just profound truths that kind of allow me to read devotionally. Um, also, I came across a really good blog on the Gospel Coalition by Cole Brown, just talking about um, three dangers of the uh, multicultural church. And as everybody pushes forward and says, hey, these may be good things to pursue, like, hey, here's some things we have to safeguard ourselves against in pursuing that. And I thought the article was quick, short, um, and just, uh, it was really good, so. Shout out to Cole Brown, man. Good dude. So I've been reading, and I told you about this, The Disciple-Making Parent by Chap Bettis. And bruh, it's like it's like he can go on uh, Sway's Five Fingers of Death freestyle, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm highlighting like every other page, man. He has like these quick little quippy one-liners that uh, really, really penetrate penetrate the heart. So so it's been it's been good for me, man, because he talks about how um, Matthew 28 doesn't just apply to um, to the mission field, but it applies to your house as well. And uh, mm. looking at methods of discipleship for your children um, is something that um, something that I'm continuing to work on. Uh, my son and I are going to start a uh, gospel centered devotional together um, written by David Murray. And it's kind of a kid's book. So it's going to be fun. We're going to start that next week and just walk through it, man. It walks through the gospel message. So looking forward to that. Yeah. And I would say at some point, that would be a great thing for you to lend your skillful writing to, um, to have more of that in the urban context. So I'm going to just put that on your radar, man, that um, that's a great place for you to lend your writing skills to helping dads disciple their sons. So um, you're just, you just going to throw that out there. I'm going to just throw that out there, bro. So you're a great writer. I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. So kind of like the that, ACC man. is challenging the SEC for football there supremacy we go. right now. So Here we go. But I'm, it's, I'm, like this barber, it's like the barbershop scene in, in Coming to America. <laughs> Every time I remember I mentioned Hama Ali, somebody got to bring out Rashmaniano. Rashmaniano. <laughs> Come on, man. Yo, it is. What Don't it do is, me like man. that. So. All right, man. Closing shout outs. What we got? Hey, shout out to the homie Seth Martin who held it down this week while I was traveling to Dallas. He went and 
um, taught the Bible study I usually teach on Wednesday nights. And he had a tough passage, man, passage in Genesis about the sons of God. And uh, I heard he rocked it. So shout out to the homie, man, for for subbing for for your boy. I hope they want me back next week because I know he rocked it. Yo, my shout out goes, my real shout out goes to the homie, uh, Sean Williams. So last night I had a, a teammate in college that I was really close to. And they used to call us fresh legs in the media guide. And they called us fresh legs. In other words, that was their way of giving us a nickname that says we wasn't getting a lick of plan. No PT. We were fresh. <laughs> so they called me in. So like we always been fresh legs. Like we've talked hit or miss like real quick and passing on social media, but hadn't had a real conversation in 20 years. And last night we just talked for an hour and a half, man, just catching up on life. Um, I was encouraging him, hey, check out Tabidi's church. You're not too far away from Anacostia River Church. Um, but just everything in life, kids, like family business, we just talked about it all. We really just caught up and it was a great conversation. So that's my well, shout out. Shout out to my man, Fresh Legs. <laughs> one of those relationships that don't miss a beat even after many years right exactly good stuff man so listen we got this um before you wrap up with the dirk nowitzki episode we got to touch on like we got a contest for our listeners so we appreciate you guys and we're always trying to um bring more people in not and we just talked about humility not so we can build a platform but because uh, we want to help christ be formed in people who might have similar interests to us so um as you spread the word we got a contest going we're partnering with sacred apparel so the winner gets um 25 of like in-store merchandise credit um to get something off the website from sacredapparel.net we got a android smartphone watch i won one at my company competition but i'm team iphone so we'll be giving that away and then uh, Jay Rich and I will throw in a book or two or something, too. So be looking out for that. When the um, podcast goes up, we'll have the contest releasing right about the same time. And we'll have it on our social media stuff. Oh, that's a lot of swag, man. So, look, you guys entered the contest. We appreciate you for being listeners for, man, 41 episodes. That's great. Great. Uh, looking forward to many, many more. But we just wanted to show you guys um, kind of a small token of our appreciation. So appreciate it. We now we're going to shout out my man, Dirk, putting in work. He's probably going to put in less work this this year, but we know he's going to get a statue sometime with that one leg up fadeaway outside of the Dallas arena. So shout out to Dirk Nowitzki and looking forward to the NBA season. We're going to see you guys next time on episode number 42. Be sure to go over to our Facebook page. At the Jerry Stackhouse episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, man. No, I we're know it is. To, it's got. It's only could be one person. We're gonna have to think about that. No, it's like us on Facebook. About. Hook, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on iTunes. You know what it is, man. See you guys next go round. Peace out.